right, while I'm getting set, I need you to get a piece of paper and pen out, or your cell phones, tablets. I need you to write yourself a note in a minute, all right? So go ahead, get your phones out. And then I know it's the Bible app the rest of the time, right? Because I will check your candy crush scores after service. So I tell you, this being my first Easter as the guy, your pastor, it, it's been a blast. There, there's so many different elements, layers, angles, whatever you want to talk about. Um, but I kept coming back to one thing. And here's what I want you to write on your notes, all right? Are you ready? You have your phones out? God loves me. Write that to yourself. God loves me. And technically, we're going to be done because I'm going to end with the same three words. But God loves us. God loves us. We see it in the cross. We see it in Christ's death. And then we really see it in the resurrection. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. And by the way, I'm going to give you guys a lot of scripture because you can't tell the story great without scripture. I hope you know that. So if you want it, I might post it sometime later or just ask me because I do reply to texts sometimes within seconds. Um, so John 15 verses 1 through 4. And this is this amazing love of God. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as the of a first importance that I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he raised was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures." So because Jesus is risen, that's why we're here. It's Easter Sunday. He is risen. risen. Excellent. Because he is risen, we see in the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Savior that God's love frees us from sin, God's love conquers death, and God's love provides a new life in him. And so because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we see the love of God. That this is love, true love. And this gives so much weight to John 3.16. That God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Gave his only, that word gave is chock full of a lot of stuff. And we're going we're gonna to work through that. So God loves us so much. So God's love frees us from sin. We know sin's an issue. Sin's got some separation qualities to it. You know, one sin, we're, we're separated from God. Uh, we're born into sin. We're kind of stuck in this situation. Uh, and so we have the sin that separates us from God. There is no way to get back into a right relationship with God without a perfect sacrifice. And that perfect sacrifice is Christ shed blood on the cross for our sins. And we see that in Good Friday. We see that on the cross. We see that in Christ's death and then the resurrection. So we have sin. Sin's ultimate goal, by the way, is death. Uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of, wages of sin is death. That's the end game for sin. And on the way to death comes a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, doesn't it, with sin. 
Uh, sin we know is forgiven. We're going to talk about that. Okay, our sins are forgiven. We should be go, we should be able to go on, leave it at the foot of the cross. Christ's blood has covered our sins. Off we go. But if you're like me, we hold on to a whole bunch, don't we? We, we have to pay the consequences of our choices and our sin. But that guilt and shame really kind of wrecks, it messes my head up. I don't know about you. So there's guilt and shame that has to do with sin. Did Christ's blood take care of the guilt and shame as well as the sin? Absolutely. Read with me Romans 5, verses 18 through 21. I will make you guys look up a few passages, if you choose. Otherwise, I'll just read it to you. Romans 5, 18 through 21 says this, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act... Adam's sin has led led to condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. That's Jesus, by the way. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we have sin covered now. We don't have sin covered. Jesus has sin covered with his blood. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. And the chains of sin that keeps us bound and paralyzed are now broken. But man, that guilt and shame... Always comes back to get us, doesn't it? And I sat there thinking through Peter. Here's Peter, one of the beloved disciples of Jesus, right there alongside Christ through his ministry. Like Peter, pretty, pretty, Peter kind of got it pretty much, you know, the, the whole picture. And, but what happens as Christ is crucified? That Peter denies Christ. Here is the beloved disciple. He knows who Jesus is. He knows he's the son of God, but yet he denies him three times. And it's during the crucifixion, which means it says after that third time, Peter realized what was going on. And scripture says that he wept bitterly. He knew right away that he had blown it. But now how is he going to go tell Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus is on the cross. He's dead. There's no way to make amends. Can you imagine the guilt and shame that Peter has? Because the disciples, as much as Jesus told them that he was coming back, were like still like, "Ah, maybe, I don't know. And so I don't know if Peter knew in full confidence that Christ was coming back. So imagine the devastation in Peter's heart that he could not tell Jesus, I'm sorry. Sorry for denying you. But with the forgiveness of sin comes the wiping away of guilt and shame. Turn with me to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. And here is a picture after the resurrection that Christ Jesus comes and presents himself to the disciples. Now, it doesn't say Peter's in the room at this point. Um, but John 20, 19 through 22 says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said again, Peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So why did Jesus have to say peace to you twice? And this is different than the fear not that we've talked about. You know, that you kind of have to, angels have to kind of calm the hearts of the shepherds, calm those who they come with a message from God. Here's Jesus himself saying, peace be with you twice. And I think it has to do with his guilt and shame, that there's peace now in their lives. And the disciples were freaking out. They're scared of if the Jews were going to come and they were going to be in trouble. So this peace with you for them was in that moment of fear. Then there's a peace in our sins forgiven. There is peace to know that our sins are forgiven. There's peace in us being reconciled to the Father. We're, our relationship with God the Father is made right. There is now peace between us. Peace in receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. That means no more fear, no more shame, no more guilt, but peace. And that's good news. That's good news for the world. Jesus goes on in that passage to say, spread the news. Like, this is what I'm talking about. So Peter knew he was forgiven, but what is this situation with Jesus going to be look like? Now that he, Peter probably by this time knows that Jesus is alive. You know, he's hanging out with the disciples after some time fishing. They're out on the boat. They're kind of probably decompressing, just kind of need to get back to normalcy of life. Jesus is gone. So they're fishing, can't catch anything. And they get a little closer to shore. They hear a voice. Hey, throw the nets on the other side of the boat. So they throw the nets on the other side. And boom, big old thing of fish. And they're hauling the fish onto the boat. And then as they get closer still to the shore, one of the disciples is like, it's Jesus. Guess who's on the boat? But Peter. So Peter's, and I can imagine myself like, oh man, here it comes. Like, are we okay, Jesus? Like, you know what I mean? You know what Peter does? Throws on this cloak and jumps out of the boat and gets to the shore. Because imagine how slow the boat's going with all the fish. He's like, forget this. I'm not waiting for you guys. I'm going to go see Jesus. And he runs to Jesus. How many times have we allowed our guilt and our shame to hold us back from running to Jesus? Um, it's, we're in a right relationship. He loves us. And we love him. And how many times have we allowed sin kind of push us back and, and kind of hold us back with this guilt and this shame? All of that is gone. All of that was paid for on the cross. So let's run to Jesus as we understand this amazing gift of our sins forgiven. And then God's love con conquers death. Death, the great end to man, the great enemy that we are all going to have to face at some point unless Christ comes again. Here is death, the thief, the robber. So many times loved ones taken from our lives too quickly. Death is a plague. And so when Jesus went on the cross on Friday, the disciples thought, and all of his followers, it's, it's done. Like he's, he's gone. Hope was gone. We see this on the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, that they said, we had hope that he would be the one who was going to redeem Israel, the Messiah. But now that hope had ended. Christ Jesus had died. And with that was a lost hope. But I want us to, and we talked about this on Good Friday, I want us to, to stay here for a second. 
A lot of times we, we want to rush to the resurrection. But how much of our world are we dealing with darkness and dealing with discouragement and despair and a brokenness in this world that is overwhelming? Christ was there. And we are there in dealing with our relationship with this world and with our sins and, and with our guilt and shame, aware of the darkness and fear in our hearts. But death isn't the end, is it? Satan wants it to be the end game, but it's not. For the wages of sin is death. We talked about the ultimate end of our, our sin is death. But Jesus took that sin and died for us. Jesus died a real death in his body and remained in the grave. But he rose, right? And the rest of Romans 6.23, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's amazing. And we have that hope because Christ rose from the dead. Our sins are forgiven. The guilt and shame is gone. Death is defeated. There is hope in darkness. And we look at, at what Christ did with death and how we have to face death. And what hope is that? Ephesians 2, 4 through 9 said, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us, towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of our own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Christ Jesus, his victory over sin and death has allowed us to be alive in Christ. And it's nothing, is there anything that we can do to deserve that? No. Is there anything that we can do to earn it? Not even close. It was Christ and Christ alone. One of the coolest pictures of the resurrection and Christ being victor over death is in Romans or Revelation 1, 17 through 18. Jesus says, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. You've got nothing on me, Satan. You've got nothing on me, death. I'm in control now because I'm victor. I have victory over death and my beloved have victory over death because of my sacrifice. Jesus took the full brunt of death and sin on his life so that we didn't have to. And that gives us amazing hope uh, that he has broken down the gates of death's stronghold. Do you know what that does for us as we face death, which we are all going to? We don't have to go with fear. We don't have to go with the unknown. We have hope because we know we will spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven and God the Father through the Holy Spirit. We have hope for our loved ones. It is so much easier as a pastor to do a funeral for a believer than one who's not because you can speak hope. And with hope, hope alone is in Christ Jesus. And him, because of his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. So are you guys catching this good news and how much God loves you? All right? Can I add a little bit more? I only got one amen. Can I add a little bit more? All right. God's love provides new life. We've talked about this. We're going through James right now. And James is a perfect 
book to say, look, you have this faith. You have Christ, your Lord, in your life. It's more than just waiting till you get to heaven with the hope that we have to go to, to heaven. James is like, look, you have faith in your life. You've got to work through this. God is doing something new in your life as a new creation. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So our sins, our sins are forgiven. Grace, love, and mercy are poured out into our lives. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. We are a new creation. And that work is, is beginning in us, our faith. And that's so amazing to see God, and we've talked about this, that God is all in with us. The Holy Spirit, the Son, the Father is all in in our faith from the of all time. It's not until we get to heaven. It's in our lives now. Let me give you two verses, and we're going to see the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in our new life that they give us. Romans 8.11 says that the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead in that power is the same power in us with the Holy Spirit. That is amazing. That is, that is God all in with us that we have full access to the Holy Spirit. And then Romans 6, 3 and 4 says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And now here's a passage we use for baptism. I hope you realize how powerful that picture of baptism is for us. How, why we are so excited when we get to baptize others. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Here's a new life in Christ. The Holy Spirit's all in. Christ has sacrificed and is all in. God the Father is glorified and is all in. And they raise Jesus from the dead and they give us new life. And the Holy Spirit who the Father raised, there's that they weren't going to allow Jesus to stay in the grave. There was a love that that raised Jesus from the dead. That love is our love from God. And that love is not going to let us go ever. Nothing Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Nothing is going to separate us, come in between us, us making stupid human mistakes to separate us from the love of God. No amount of guilt, no amount of shame, no amount of sin, because those were already paid for on the cross, that we have access to all of who God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because of the resurrection. Romans 8 37 and 39 is that in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is love. This is the picture of love. This is God loves you. God loves me. It is good news. And there is a lost world who has no clue about the love of Jesus. There is no clue about the love of God. There is a lost, broken world who, who, who literally are lost in the darkness and in the chaos of what this world is. And let us not be selfish with this good news to be able to share with others who are in desperate need. We have this new life now. And then guess what? We have an amazing life in eternity. Turn with me for my last passage for us to read. And that's Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Revelation 21, 1 through 5, just a little picture of what eternity is going to look like. Revelation 21, 1 through 5 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Did you hear what I just said? The dwelling place of God is with man? Really? All holy God, almighty God, dwelling with us? That That is love. What does he want to, uh, to do with us? We're not worthy. We're sinful. We have problems galore. But that's the picture of what the resurrection brings, that the dwelling of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their, their eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. For he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. God loves you. God loves me. And because of God's love, our sins are forgiven. Our death has no power. We will spend eternity in heaven. And we have a new life in God the Father through the shed blood of our Savior Christ Jesus on the cross by the power of the Holy Spirit. Please pray with me as we close this time. Father, I thank you. I can't thank you. I, I don't have the words to describe your love for us. But Father, we get to say those words. We get to say that you are our God. We get to say that Christ Jesus is our Savior and Lord. We get to say the Holy Spirit is at work in a powerful, mighty way through our hearts. Father, I pray that we continue to run after you, chase you, jump out of the boat and pursue you. Father, I thank you for this free gift of eternal life that comes at the cost of Christ Jesus on the cross, his burial, and then his death and the resurrection, that in that power, in that victory over sin and death, that we have a right relationship with you. Father, we cannot celebrate enough today. And I pray it's so much more than today on Easter. It is every day that you continue to mold us and make us you continue to show us this new life in you. Father, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to more of what you have for us and more of who you are each and every day. Thank you for loving us so amazingly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.